0: You have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 1 verses 39 to 56. So give ear, which means listen. This is God's word. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. and returned to her home. This is God's Word. So we are, as a church, we're preparing for Christmas by looking at the three kinds of relationships that Christmas builds. Last week we saw how Christmas builds our relationship with Jesus. Next week we're going to look and see how Christmas builds our relationships with people in the world. Uh, Today we're going to see how Christmas builds our relationships here in the church, relationships in the church. Um, as we build friendships that include our spirituality, that include our relationship with God, uh, those friendships actually help us grow as people. Right? They help us to grow, and so in our text today, Mary and Elizabeth, they show us how spiritual friendships work. Okay, in Luke's gospel, we've met both. We met Mary last week, but prior to what we saw last week, both Mary and Elizabeth they've had encounters with the angel Gabriel. Okay? Gabriel has appeared to both of them. They've both miraculously conceived a child, though Mary's was much more miraculous than Elizabeth's. Um, but when Mary heard that Elizabeth was pregnant too, the first thing she did was run off to see her. Okay? If you look at the first verse in our text today, in verse 39, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste, into the hill country, okay? And so she, she went into the hill country of Judah. Now, that was 75 miles away from Nazareth, okay? So, and she didn't have a car, okay? So think about this. This would be like you running to Julian, for instance, right? The hill country of Julian, instead of Judah, right? The hill country of Julian without a car, Right? What would make her do that? What would motivate Mary to make a trip like that? Back then, you could travel usually around 15 miles a day, not much farther. And so we're talking about a five-day trip to Julian without a car. What motivated Mary? I mean, obviously, it was excitement to share this good news with Elizabeth about what had happened to her, excitement to be with Elizabeth because Elizabeth, her hopes have sort of come true. And so there was this desire to share excitement I think there might have also been some measure of fear for Mary, right? Because if you think about Mary, how is she going to face being impregnated before she got married? In a culture where shame was almost king, and what the community thought of you mattered more than just about anything else, right? how is Mary going to deal with this? Who's going to believe that, oh, yeah, 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 she got impregnated by God, Okay, sure, Mary. You know, what's Joseph going to think, right? Is Joseph going to keep her? Is he going to leave her? Is he going to, you know, what are all these things? And so, you know, you can see that that for Mary, she goes out of maybe joy and relief because there's someone that she knows who's had an experience that can relate to her, right? Gabriel, she knows, has appeared to Elizabeth. So she thinks, you know, maybe Elizabeth is going to understand. I know she will. I hope she will. And so in this text, we see two incredibly strong women, okay, incredibly strong women that are showing us what authentic spiritual friendship can do for people, okay? They're going to show us authentic spiritual friendship, and they're going to inspire us to pursue these kind of relationships in the church, okay? So we're going to see it in three points. If you want to take notes. Let me give you the three points. We're going to see first that spiritual friendships give encouragement. Second, spiritual friendships inspire worship. And then third, spiritual friendships show God's love. Okay, so they give encouragement, they inspire worship, and they show God's love. So let's look first at how spiritual friendships give encouragement. This is verses 39 to 45. Mary comes in. And immediately, Elizabeth erupts, right? Mary greets Elizabeth, and look at verse 42. It says that Elizabeth, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. In Greek, there's a couple more words in here that are kind of smoothed out. Um, in the Greek, you could translate this like, she cried out with this great outcry, okay? It's like this, the words all sort of pile up to try to express what Elizabeth is actually doing here. When Elizabeth speaks, it's like she is erupting. She is erupting. Like, and maybe you've seen this, you know, where, where someone would come in, maybe you haven't seen them for a long time, or certain people that you know, right? Maybe you're not this animated. I guess I kind of tend to be. But um, if you're not this animated, it's like, Oh, my God, it's Mary! Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it! I-! I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's what the text is saying. She cried out with a great outcry. She's erupting with excitement, with amazement, with wonder at what God is doing in Mary's life. Okay, this is what Elizabeth is doing. And this is big. This is big for Mary. Okay, this is exactly what Mary needs. Because Elizabeth's reaction to Mary's greeting is full of faith. It's full of encouragement. It's full of hope and excitement for Mary. Okay, as Mary comes in, right, she's got this mixture, and who knows what's in Mary's mind. Maybe, if Mary's got these two things of both excitement and also some fear, maybe she's thinking, well, all right, I'm just going to be excited for Elizabeth, and, you know, maybe at some point I'm going to tell her about this other thing and kind of see where she's at, right? Like, how are you going to break this sort of news to somebody, right? What's Elizabeth going to think? Is she going to believe me? You know, I don't really know. And so maybe, you know, Mary's coming with some fear and trepidation, and Elizabeth, completely dispels all her fear, right? Elizabeth just surrounds Mary with faith, hope, encouragement, love, and understanding. That is what spiritual friends do, right? When was the last time, I can go either way, right? When was the last time you ever encouraged someone else like this? I'm not saying you have to be super crazy and animated, but you know what I mean? When was the last time you responded to somebody and actually encouraged their hearts, right? Where you saw what was going on in their lives and you said something that validated what they were going through. That you said, you know, I can see that God is at work in your life. I can see that God is doing this. You know, and I'm excited for you. I'm excited by what I see God doing in your life. I mean, this is what... There's power. It's incredible. It's incredible when you can identify and see what God is doing in someone else's life and name it and say it to the person. That gives people strength. It gives people encouragement. When was the last time you experienced that from someone else? Right When somebody did that for you, how did that make you feel? Right. That's the kind of joy... That's the kind of faith, strength, courage you can give to someone else. And so Elizabeth, she joyously celebrates with Mary. There's another dynamic here that doesn't quite come across because these two women are so filled with faith. But one thing I want you to notice is that Elizabeth shows no pride or envy. Okay, note this, because this could have been very different. Okay, Um, one author said this, Mary's visit to Elizabeth is a wonderful portrait. It's a wonderful human portrait of the older woman pregnant at last after hope had gone, right? And then the younger woman pregnant far sooner than she expected. That might have been a moment of tension, Right? Mary might have felt proud and Elizabeth may have felt resentful. But we see that none of that happens. That doesn't happen here. It's not only that Elizabeth rejoices with Mary, but even the baby in her womb is rejoicing at what God is doing through Mary and Jesus. And so what we see here, there is real humility and real honor that's being expressed here. It's not jealousy. It's not envy. It's not, well, I wish I had that, or I wish that happened to me. It was, wow, this is happening to you. I am excited for you. I'm excited with you. And when you think about two babies in a womb and one leaping for the other, there's actually something else that's going on here that I think Luke is bringing to our attention. OK, in if you look up the, the word for leaped, OK, the, where the baby leaps in the womb, it happens twice. It happens once, um, you know, verse 41, the baby leaped in a womb. And then Elizabeth talks about it uh, in verse 44 when the baby leaped for joy. Um, that same word is used actually in the Old Testament. It's used in Genesis chapter 25, verse 22, OK, in a in a very different context. Okay, you have Isaac and Rebekah. And let me just read you from from Genesis 25. It says this in verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. Okay, so she's got twins. There's two in there, and they are struggling. It's interesting because it's the same word. The word struggled there is the same word used in our passage for leaped. Okay, And Rebecca says, why is this happening to me? And the Lord said to her, there are two nations in your womb. There are two peoples from within you, and they shall be divided, and the older will serve the younger. Okay? I think Luke is using the same word because he's trying to help us make a connection. In the case of Rebecca's twins, the struggling was indicating the conflict that was going to characterize the life of these two twins the conflict that existed between Jacob and Esau, the warring and the competition that took place as each was trying to beat the other. But here in our passage, in verse 44, we see that the baby is actually leaping for joy. There is no competition here. There is no wrestling together. And this shows that even in the womb, John is submitting to Jesus. Right, And so in a sense, it's almost like Luke is saying that this is a reversal of the conflict that has existed in the past. That things are different, that everything is changing with the coming of Jesus. John is going to serve Jesus. Even Elizabeth calls Jesus, my Lord, in verse 43. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And so what we see is that when Jesus shows up in your life, Jesus can give you perspective and the love that can overcome relational conflicts. Okay, If you are struggling with conflict in relationships, if you struggle with envy or pride, if you struggle with one-upsmanship or just wishing that your life was like someone else's rather than being excited for them, Jesus makes a difference. Jesus brings a reversal to that. Elizabeth says that this is my Lord. Paul says later on in the New Testament, says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And so the contentment, and that's the key, right? It's calling Jesus Lord. That's the key that turns the spiritual life on. That's what gives you that second birth. And when you experience that, that's where you get the strength to not be envious, to not let your pride dominate. That is the reversal. It's saying that Jesus is Lord in my life, so whatever he wants to do, I'm fine with. Whatever he wants to do in me, whatever he wants to do with anybody else, I'm going to rejoice where I see him work whether he's working in me or in other people. That's where the strength comes, and we all can experience and express the reversal of relationship conflict that we see here. So Elizabeth, she celebrates with Mary. She shows no pride and envy, and then she declares a blessing on Mary. Right? This is what friends do. Mary, Elizabeth blesses Mary. Look at verse 42. She says, she exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among women.'" And blessed is the fruit of your womb. So she says, Mary, you above all other women are blessed. God is in your womb. You are bearing the Messiah, the Savior, the King that will bring us our salvation. And then in verse 45, she blesses her again. She says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What Elizabeth's saying there, and this is what's really amazing, is that Elizabeth is saying, Mary, you are blessed because God is in you. But then in verse 45, what she's blessing is, she's saying, Mary, you're blessed because you believe. You are blessed because you believe. If you want to not experience the blessings of God, you don't have to have God in your womb. Right? You just have to believe in his promises. Because when you do that, you get God in your heart. Um, and, and Jesus even says this later. In Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, Jesus is speaking to a crowd. He's teaching amazing things. People are just overwhelmed at the wisdom of Jesus and his teaching. And this woman jumps up in the crowd and raises her voice and says this, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Right? Verse 42. Same thing. But what does Jesus say? Jesus responds to her and says, Actually, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is good for us. Because even Mary would say, uh, You will be blessed if you imitate my faith. If you want the blessings that I have received, just believe as I believe trust in Jesus. She even calls Jesus my Savior. Right? Verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Right? Which shows us that Mary needed saving, just like the rest of us. And so, if you trust God in His Word, if you believe what God says, you can be as blessed as Mary. That's exciting. That's exciting. And so, Christmas... The, the first Christmas led these two women into a deeper experience of life together, right? As they come together, Elizabeth realized that Jesus was coming to be God and King, and this led her into this deeper experience of friendship with Mary, right? And as they encountered each other in this friendship, Elizabeth gave encouragement. Her spiritual friendship to Mary gave Mary encouragement. Our second point is that spiritual friendships inspire worship. Spiritual friendships inspire worship. This is the rest of our passage in verses 46 to 55. Elizabeth's reaction to Mary moves Mary, inspires Mary to worship God. Okay? Because Elizabeth has dealt with the fears. Elizabeth, in a sense, is helping Mary realize that Mary's not crazy. Elizabeth is confirming everything that the angel said. Now Mary's got someone who understands and believes her. And Elizabeth's friendship moves Mary to worship. You know, this is so important because you're going to have spiritual experiences throughout your life. You're going to have moments in your life where you're going to experience God in a deeper and more profound way. But let me tell you, that experience is going to fade. You will have an experience. You'll feel like you're on the top of a mountain, like you and God are that are so close. It's like you see him face to face. That experience will fade over time. Okay? It will fade. It'll feel less real. You'll start to have doubts. Well, Maybe I really didn't experience that. You'll start to forget what it was like. There's things that will happen to you that will cause you to wander, to waver, to wonder if your experience was actually real. The way to handle that wavering, that fading away, is that you need relationships in the church. You need spiritual friendships. We call it fellowship in the church. Other people in spiritual friendships who can remind you of your faith, who can help validate it, who can experience your experiences with you, who can share their experiences. Okay? When we have those, it pushes us. Mary, it's really interesting. This uh, Verses 46 and 47, they're real short, but they, they show us this really simple sort of two-step process on how to experience God. What she, what she says there, look at verses 46 and 47. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Okay. Step one. If you magnify the Lord, then step two, you will experience joy. You see that there? It's right there in the text. When you magnify the Lord, your spirit will rejoice. Okay, It, it really is that simple. To magnify the Lord just means to make him great, to declare how great he is. It means to think about him as the most important thing in your life. It means to worship him. Right? It's to worship Him. And if you magnify the Lord, you will experience joy. Okay? Now, that's exciting because that means that the only thing that can keep you from experiencing joy is whether or not you're willing to worship. Okay? No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your difficulties are, no matter what relationship issues you have, you can experience joy if you magnify the Lord. That's big. Mary magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God. There is joy that will come from God that can transcend all of your experiences. And as you magnify him, as you worship him and lift him up, you know, one preacher always used to say, he said, when we make God great, our problems become small. Right? It doesn't mean that our problems necessarily go away, but they get put in perspective. And so Mary worships and experiences God's promises. The rest of this song that she sings, it's this amazing rehearsal of God's promises. Um, There is so much scripture that is quoted and imitated in Mary's song here. Um, Just a couple of them. Like Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the beginning of the David story. Mary and Hannah sing very, very similar songs. Um, That's one thing I think Mary is borrowing. She is singing just like Hannah sang in 1 Samuel. Um, If you look in verse 51 you see that it says he has shown strength with his arm. The strong arm of God, that's actually a reference to the Exodus. In in, in the book of Exodus, God talks about coming with his strong arm, being outstretched to redeem his people, to save them from slavery and lead them into freedom. Look at verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. So she's going all the way back to Genesis. Genesis. And she's talking about God's promise to Abraham coming true. Mary is seeing and experiencing that God's promises throughout the whole Bible are coming true in her life. This is the fulfillment of God's promises. For us, the more we know Scripture, right, the more you know the promises of God, from the beginning to the end, the more of Scripture that you know, the more of Scripture you will see come true in your life. And when that happens, something, something really exciting goes on. Because you realize, wait a second, this is what God says here in this part of the Bible. Right? This is, oh, wait, wait, God did this. And boy, what I'm experiencing is really similar to that. That's what Mary's experiencing. And this is a good, it's really a good encouragement for you just to read, just to read the scriptures, just to know what the Bible says, you know, little by little, little by little, day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, you'll get better at understanding scripture and you'll see more of it come true in your life. And so Mary not only sees what God is doing for her in giving Jesus to her, but she also recognizes that what God's doing for her, he can do for the rest of the world. Okay, just the the outline of Mary's song, verses 46 to 49, it's all about Mary. Right? Look at verse 48. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant, that's her, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Right? But then verse 50, there's this transition And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he's shown strength with his arm. He scatters the proud. He's brought down the mighty, exalted those of humble estate, filled the hungry with good things. He's helped his servant Israel, the whole nation. Mary realizes that what she's experiencing, everyone else can experience. That's big. That's big, because Mary then becomes not just, oh, hey, look at what God's doing for me, but let me invite you to experience God in the same way. As you read Mary excited and worshiping God for what he does for her, Mary is saying, join with me. Join with me. God can do these things in your life, too. What God is doing, I mean, it's, it's, it's this great reversal. The center of Mary's song is verses 52 and 53. He brought down the mighty from their thrones and then exalted those of humble estate. Filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. It's this poetic expression of what God does. God is coming in Jesus as the divine warrior. And he is acting against the proud and the powerful. And he does this because not only is he the divine warrior, but he's also the merciful God of the covenant. And so he is acting against the proud and the arrogant and the powerful in order that he might act for those who trust him. You see that? And, so, and, and it's interesting because even God triumphing over the proud and the powerful, even that is an invitation to them. Okay, I I saw this one quote and I just thought it was great. God flings the proud of heart to the earth in the hope that they will be delivered from their ridiculous vaunting and flaunting to become free and obedient children of God and brothers and sisters to others. When I read that, I thought, man, like that's what he did to me. In my own life, I thought I was just God's gift to the world. I was so proud and so haughty and so arrogant. And God brought me low so that I would look up to Him. I mean, it's an invitation for us to let go of our pride, to let go of the control, to let go of our lives and say, Lord, we're going to live for you. I mean, That's what Mary her song is inviting us to do. Mary was already low. She was a peasant woman from Nazareth, which was a no-man town, right? And God is making her mother of the king, mother of God. He's exalting the lowly. And we're going to see, you know, with the life of Jesus, that he brings down the proud and the arrogant and the powerful. This isn't necessarily against being rich, um, It's the attitude of your heart that counts. Um, Where he says that in verse 51, he says, he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And so the issue there is, if the condition of your heart is proud, then God opposes you. Because God's kingdom is a kingdom of humility. Jesus himself is the ultimate proof of that. And so you want to ask yourself, as you read through Mary's song, as you hear it being explained, because she's excited about what God's doing for her, (coughs) what has God done for you? What has he done for you? I want you to think about that for a second. What has God done for you? What is he doing right now in you? Part of our spiritual friendships need to include conversations about that. You know, we like to call them grace renewal stories. That's what we call them because they're stories of how God's grace, his undeserved favor, comes into our lives and helps us grow. Gives us an opportunity to love somebody else, right? Gives us an opportunity to help somebody else understand about Jesus, right? All these ways that we experience God's grace, we got to be sharing these stories with each other. Mary is responding to Elizabeth and saying, Elizabeth, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to worship the Lord, and I want you to hear what God is doing in my life. I want you to hear my experience of it. We need to be sharing with each other in that same way. So you've got to have people in your life that you're telling them, hey, this is what God is doing in me. Here's what I see God doing. The good and then the bad, too. Right? Here's what I'm struggling Right? Because then they can give you encouragement. But as you testify, as you tell other people what God is doing in your life, it gives them a chance to be invited into that same experience with you. To rejoice with you. And so, um, what I think is cool here, too, is that when Mary goes to worship... um, she sings and seems to be experiencing more than has happened to her up to this point, right? She has all these promises, and she sings and magnifies the Lord in a way. We don't know what she's saying. She's saying here, but she's magnifying the Lord in this way as though the promises, how do I say this? Like, the only promise at this point that she has is that she'll have the baby, but she hasn't had the baby yet, right? The baby hasn't been born yet. The kingdom hasn't been established yet, right? None of the rest of the story has happened yet, and yet Mary is worshiping like it's already happened, right? I think here we see see her faith again. Like she's trusting that since this has happened, the rest will happen, right? But I also think, too, that this is kind of what worship does for us. When we worship the Lord, when we sing to him, Sometimes our singing, we sing about truths that haven't yet happened to us. All right? Have you ever felt like you were singing a song and you thought, well, I'm not really sure if I've experienced this in my own life? In a sense, worship can invite us to celebrate and experience something before it actually happens in our lives. <clears throat> and so Mary is, is inspired To worship. The spiritual friendship with Elizabeth inspires Mary to worship. Our last point is that spiritual friendships, they show God's love. They show God's love. Because in this interaction, we see that God hears, that God is looking with favor, and God is acting for his people. All of the verbs in Mary's song. The subject of all the verbs, the person who's doing the stuff, is God. Right? He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He who is mighty has done great things for me. His mercy is for those who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. It's God. God has shown strength with his arm. God has scattered the proud. God has brought down the mighty. God has exalted those of humble estate. God has filled the hungry. God has sent the rich away empty. God has helped his servant Israel. When we share what God is doing in our lives with each other, we're giving glory to God. We're magnifying God. God is the one who's at work in our lives. God is the one that we see at work. He's the one who's acting. We also see that God works through people, okay? Because the bigger story here outside of Mary and Elizabeth is that God is moving to save the world, okay? God is moving to save the world. The world, in all of its struggles, in all the ways it's broken, in all the difficulties of life, God is moving to bring healing, redemption, and restoration. And God does it through these two women. God will not work apart from people. Okay, that means that in your life, there are things that God will not do outside of you. Okay? He is going to use you, every single one of you. If you will trust him, he will use you in powerful ways to bring about the salvation of others, to bring about the healing of our neighborhoods and communities, to bring about the healing of relationships. He uses people. Now, we don't want to mix this up. Okay, so we have two things that go on here. Right? We have God acting, and Mary talking about how God is the one who has to act. And then we have God acting through Mary and Elizabeth. Right? So these two things, and that's kind of helpful to know, right? It's good to know. It's actually good news, that, because if it were entirely up to us, let's just pack it in, right? Let's go home. It's not. There are things that God does that only God can do. Okay, And we see that the whole point of Christmas is that there are some things that only God can do. Remember the passage in Isaiah 63, I looked for someone to help and found no one. I looked, but there was no one to respond. So I came down and brought salvation. Right, that is Christmas. There are things that only God can do. There is a reason why Jesus had to come to walk this earth because only he could be the sacrifice for our sins. Only Jesus could go to the cross because only Jesus was perfect to not die for his own sins so he could die for ours. Right? Only Jesus could overcome the power of sin and death and emerge victorious from the grave, never ever to die again. And so it's God's responsibility to save But what we see in Mary and Elizabeth is that God has asked us to be the ones who share his salvation with each other and with others. Okay, God saves and then we proclaim his salvation to the ends of the earth. And that starts with each other here. It starts with building strong, deep, lasting spiritual friendships with each other. And what I think is is, is really it's a good place for us to kind of to wind this up is that spiritual friendships show God's love because God's love is often the way that He ex the way that God expresses His love is often through these friendships. Okay, God will normally not show up and give you a hug, but there are brothers and sisters in this church family who will, right? While we see in Scripture that God weeps over those who struggle and comes near to them through His Spirit, boy, there's just something about having someone else staring into your eyes, crying with you, and pleading with God on your behalf. Right? And those things are not, like, that's what God uses to show His love. He uses our friendships to show His love. Even Jesus needed these kind of friendships. Even Jesus needed the 12 and the 3, right? His 12 disciples and then the, and the 3 that were um, specially close to him. And so <laughs> spiritual friendships show God's love. Um, the most wonderful way is because Jesus is a friend to us. When we trust him, Jesus friends us with his death and his resurrection. Right? If you want to know if Je- how Jesus feels about you, he came to die so that your sins would be taken away. He came to die so that you would be set free. He came to die so that you would be forgiven and be accepted by God, have a relationship with him. I mean, that's where it starts. But then, then there's, it's, it's, there's more. <laughs> he does, he friends you in this amazing way where he does these things for you. But then he then loves you and sustains you. And his love then comes into you by his spirit. He, he begins to dwell in your heart. His love, his encouragement, even his worship, his perfection, right? You think about the perfect love of Jesus, how Jesus is the perfect friend in so many amazing and miraculous ways. Think about that for a second. And then realize that, that friend-giving, those friend-giving qualities of Jesus are in you if you believe. They are in you by the power of his Spirit. And so for you to love, to be patient, you can't do it on your own. I get it. You don't need to do it on your own. You think about Jesus' love and his patience, how it's in you, his courage and his strength, and how that is in you. That's what Christmas leads to, that he comes for us so that when we trust in him, he'd come in us and make us these kinds of friends to each other. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we, just, we stand in awe. We stand in awe of the way that you love, that you care, and the way that you work through people. And we confess we haven't been this kind of friend to others. We failed in this. There are times when we have aspired to being this kind of friend. But we need you and your friendship in our lives. We need it to cover us. And we need it in us so that we can be this kind of friend. Jesus, would you inspire us with a vision for what our church family will look like when these relationships abound? In our family, when we can love each other the way Mary and Elizabeth loved each other, help us to give each other encouragement. Inspire us with our friendships to worship you as the giver of these friendships and help us to experience your love. Jesus, I pray that you would touch the folks here who aren't Christians yet, He would show them what being a friend with you is. Would you show them what you've done for them and draw them to trust you? Draw them into your friendship, into your presence. And change all of us, Lord. Make us more like this so that we can be a family that gives you honor. We pray this in your name. Amen.